J-E. So you got to move to the, so they can get all around you guys. Mm, yeah. That looks good. Yeah. So let's have elders and pastors, please. Elders and pastors up. Elders and pastors. Hmm? No. Oh, yeah, of course. Elders and pastors first. I'm sending them out as a family. I'll take care of this, Linda. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. You just take pictures, all right? All right. Family. Family. All the family. Up. Come on. All right. Any anyone who was ministered to by the abbots as when they were youth leaders here. Come on, old youthies. Old youthies. Amanda, come on. Yeah. Okay, anybody who really likes them. Anybody who could care less, <laughs> come on up. <laughs> if you're in this room and breathing. <laughs> so I'm going to ask the elders and pastors that are closest to them to put their hands on them. And I'm going to ask all of you to extend your hands and your hearts towards them. As, Father, we lift them up to, to the kingdom of heaven. We pray as Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven for this family, for the abbots. Father, we bless them. With all that we have in our hearts towards them and for them, we bless them with the love of Jesus Christ, the favor of the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you, O oh God, to enable them to accomplish abundantly above anything that they had ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined they could do in New Zealand. We bless all of the people in New Zealand who have not been touched by their lives yet but will be in the years to come. We call them out of darkness, out of obscurity, out of sin, out of whatever they are in that is not of you, that they will be touched by the word of the Lord from this family, by the love of the Lord from this family, by the works of the Lord from this family. And we say to them, in the name of Jesus Christ, come, come and drink freely from the fountain that we are sending into New Zealand through the Abbott family. Come and drink deeply of the Lord Jesus Christ from this fountain of love. So, Father, we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we uh, lay our hands on them, we express our hearts to them, and we send them out as an extension of the family of God here at Lakes Region Vineyard Church in Laconia, Lakes Region Vineyard Church in Wolfboro, Lakes Region Vineyard Church in Franklin. Father, we send them out, we extend them out from ourselves, and we bless them in their going. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, so we're, not, we're not quite done yet. I'm going to ask you guys to go back to your seat, except for the abbots. All right. Getting established now. Branched off of you. Oh, yeah. no. oh, 
guy. Yeah, yeah. Catching up to us. We got five campuses. Yeah, we need now. Franklin. Franklin. Oh, Franklin's bad. Oh, my God. Are you going to do that? Yeah. Awesome. You want me to? You want to do that? Round it up? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The heat is on? All right, you guys are staying up here? Yeah, this will be fun. Actually, all right, let's see. Leslie, can you come up here? Michelle Pilot, can you come up here? Tony, can you come up here? Matt Morris, are you leaving? Are you sticking around? Can you come up? All right. So sweet. <laughs> so we got Tony. Um, who else? Do we have one more. One more. One more. Josiah. It was a wild card. It was a, it was a last last minute selection. All right, so as quite a few of you know, we're, you know, we're getting ready for the School of Kingdom Ministry here coming up, our, our sixth round of it. And uh, so, so these five, Josiah, Leslie, Michelle, Tony, and Matt, have all been through Sockham at what we call School of Kingdom Ministry, Sockham, uh, at one point or another. And one of the very first things we do in kind of getting the, the, the juices flowing of kind of hearing from the Lord and just and, and stepping out in faith and, and actually kind of tapping into the fact that God does speak to us uh, is we do, we do a little exercise called when I look at you, I see. And so the reason these five are up here and they didn't even know it is each one of them is going to look at the Abbott family and uh, we're going to bless them with some uh, words of knowledge, prophetic words, whatever comes out of that uh, and, and just let the Lord speak and, and see what he wants to say. So, all right. Josiah, we're starting with you. I mean, like, if, if it's one or the whole, if you see it, we just, yeah. All right. <laughs> when I look at you guys, I see a bridge between the native people in the country and the people who hold racist and prejudiced views towards them. Really, it's for all of you, but I particularly feel it's strong for you, Trinity, that there's a gap, and oftentimes in these sort of situations, it's just a gap between people. It's like, we're over here, and we're over here. But Jesus will bridge that gap. And through you, people who have been for so many years offended and have held grudges will be able to see Jesus loves this person just as much as he loves me. And that will be on full display in your lives. Zoe. <laughs> Um, when I look at you, I see a young woman who is filled with peace and purity and just a deep connection with Jesus. And I see this ability that you have that you're going to reach young women that are your age, younger, that are struggling in their own identity. And through you and your example, you are going to help lead them towards a, a wonderful relationship with Christ. Gretchen, when I look at you, I see grace, and I see that the Lord is so pleased with you. You're a wonderful mother, and you have so much love to give, and he can't tell you enough how pleased he is with you. The sacrifice you made for your family and for this church so appreciated and your whole family is such a blessing and he wants you guys to know that you are a blessing and that your sacrifice is so appreciated and your children you're he's so pleased he's he's so unbelievably pleased and he has so much joy in his heart for what you've done and he just loves you all so very much. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. Um, just got to thank God for coming up here right now because as I got called up, I'm like, what? Tony? 
what is going on? Like, what's the deal? So I immediately, I'm speaking to the Lord like, yo, what is up? Like, I know it's something. You put me on the spot, but let's speak this thing out. Um, immediately when I looked, um, I looked at Gretchen, and I saw her with this gold on. And I said, wow. Like, look at her. She is absolutely so vibrant. Like, she is glowing right now. And, like, I really believe that the Lord has said um, for you to walk that golden path. It is laid with golden bricks, so you do not have to worry when you step. You will step on greatness, plain and simple. And for you, man, wow. Since I walked into the door, it's a powerful man, very powerful. I mean, look at it. You have on the right arm where you hold a sword, that's a warrior, plain and simple. It is a warrior. And this, this young woman here, she has flames on her hoodie. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? The Lord, the Lord is already working, you know what I mean? And even as I'm standing up here, I'm saying to myself, okay, there must be something you have to say about everyone. And so here it is with him. I'm like, Lord, you know, what is it you have to say? And I feel like the Lord is saying he's growing under a rock. I look on him, he has a tattoo with trees growing with a rock. This man right here, he's the rock. You understand? And with her, I got to say, you know, um, I really didn't have much to say. Um, but even leading up to the word, speaking to the rest of your family, I felt like the Lord was saying about a caretaker. A very gentle heart uh, with babies, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, you know, um, so yes, like, you know, you, within each person here is a very, very special gift. Very special. But when you put these things together, they blow things away. Like, in the heaven comes and nothing can stop it. Plain and simple. So whenever you guys get discouraged, you feel down or whatever, just know that you have the golden path, you have the warrior, the very powerful man, the caretaker, the wonderful heart, the flames on fire. And then you have him growing under a very powerful man. Come on. Do I need to say more? Okay, last kid picked. All right. Um, I would really love to have an individual when I look at you, I see. But knowing you for as long as I have, that's really hard to do. God uses the imagery of a tree a lot. And it's really... It's simple to say, when I look at you, I see a tree, but it, it is so much more encompassing than that. The different parts of the tree are the roots, the trunk, and the body. Your roots are your home. These are your roots. This is where you have laid your foundation. The trunk is the structure. You are a very tight-knit family. God has given you the ability to interact to minister to one another, and to build each other up, and to give each other the strength that you need to go through your lives. Going to a completely opposite end of the world as a family, I can tell you right now I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And it's not out of, it's not out of fear. It's I know my limitations, and I haven't discovered that part that you guys have reached. I'll be there in about two years. That's right. Honey, start packing. And the body branches out. You guys have literally branched out as a family. You all have a connection somewhere in something, and no one can say, I haven't been affected by the Abbots in some way. You have raised kids that weren't your own. You have loved family that you didn't have to love. And you have been Christ to people that didn't ask for anything. On top, of, <laughs> on top of all of that, how does, how does a tree receive its nourishment from the sun? You guys have an amazing covering over your whole family, and I need you to understand. Right now, through my head, I can hear it right now. Casting Crowns has a song called Thrive. You were made to thrive. No matter where you are, where you think you've been planted, you will thrive. All of you. Thrive? Thrive. Sorry, I'm, I'm not very... I'm coming, off, I'm coming off of a cold. Thrive. So, um, but yeah, I just, I have to tell you guys as a family, I am beyond impressed and beyond blessed. And I love you so much. All right. So follow that, Jeremy Abbott.
Got your figure just for a sec. So before I get started, um, we asked Trinity if she would be willing to give her pipiha. So in New Zealand, um, your pipiha is your story. And it's a chance to be vulnerable. It's a chance to share where you're from, what your roots are, who your family is. Um, in Maori, um, it is very important to understand the mountain you come from and the lake. And there's a lot of tying into the, to where you were born. Um, your church is your marae, um, your iwi is your clan, your family. Um, so being able to understand who you are and then share it in a simple manner to someone else, basically you're opening up and saying, this is, this is where I'm from. Do you want to get to know me? And, and sharing that connection. Um, so she, Trinity's been taking te reo, uh, which is, um, did I say it wrong? Yes. Oh. Te reo? Okay. I, I, I still get some of them wrong. Um, so she's been learning Maori. Um, so she's very plugged in um, to Saya. That was right on. Um, she has joined uh, the Kapahaka classes. She's joined learning how to speak Maori. She has lots of Maori friends. And, and for our family, that's been our biggest connection is with the Maori people there, which I'll, I'll talk more about. Um, but we asked Trinity if she'd be willing to share a pipiha, so it will be a mix of English words that you might recognize, um, and then Maori that, that you won't. Um, but remember, Marai is like your church, Iwi is clan, Te Papa would be me, which is, which is good. <laughs> no, I just, I don't, Ko 747 te waka, ko Major te monga, ko Janice te awa, ko Abbott te hapu, ko Kerry te iwi, ko Gretchen te mama, ko papa, <laughs> ko Jeremy te papa, ko Trinity a ho. Thank you, Trini. So while my laptop is turning on, um, I wanted to say um, kia ora, morena, so that's hello and good morning. Um, and I want to say harimai, Holy Spirit, come, come Holy Spirit. Um, last uh, couple weeks ago, I got to speak over at Homestead, and I shared about the omnipresence of God versus the manifest presence of God. Technology is always fun. No, that's, I'm, I'm good. Um, so I recommend that if you get a chance, go online and listen to it. Um, there's some good analogies in it that might help make it relevant to you. Um, but as Christians, one of the things that we should be seeking is the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in our lives in our jobs, in our home groups, in our church, as a community, this, this community should be manifesting God's presence where people's lives are changed and it flows out into the community and changes lives. That's what God's called us to do. And to do that, part of what we have to do is there's obedience and then there's fostering a lifestyle of worship where you live worshiping God in all that you do, whether you start your morning, your work day, whatever you do, you start with worship and make a place for the Holy Spirit. And he will show up and he will manifest himself. So before I share, um, this is a song that we sing in New Zealand. I'm just going to read it to you um, and then give the, uh, the explanation. Um, 
Wairua Tapu, Kuhumai, Naumai, Kekone, Wairua Tapu, Aria, Korero, Mayano. Holy Spirit, welcome. You are welcome here. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us again. And that's my desire that through whatever I have to share this morning, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, that you would hear something that would connect you to who he is in a greater manner. Um, once you leave your city, once you leave your state, once you leave your country, and you step into another world and another nation, another culture, it's, it changes your life. You're never the same um, because it's a discovery of new people and new things new ways of relating, new ways of speaking. Um, and as we were saying, for us, the Maori people are, that's our heart. God has put us there and has given us honor and blessing in that community in ways that many don't. And as Josiah shared, there is a huge amount of racism still to this day in New Zealand between Pākehā, which are English white people, and that could be European, it could be any, any white people, foreigners, that have come into New Zealand, and the Māori people, um, who are the indigenous Polynesian people. There is still racism between them. And as an outsider coming in, I've chosen to embrace the culture, and I've been working at learning the language. Trini's been learning, uh, learning the language. We all have been picking it up. And because we choose to honor the people that live in the country that we're in. We honor the Pākehā with, their, with the stuff that they do, but we really are specific about honoring Māori and trying to understand where they're from, what have they been through. Um, back in the 1900s, Māori had the largest indigenous conversion to Christianity anywhere in the world. Over 90% of Māori were converted to born-again Christians, and it was almost all Māori to Māori. Um, so they actually went across the country and preached. And there are stories, because back then the tribes fought each other. They killed their children. They ate their, their enemies. They, it was a brutal, violent time. And one of the stories is a young girl um, was killed. And the, the chief, because the other chief wanted to take away the daughter of the chief, and the other chief had become a Christian, and the story is about him going back and seeking reconciliation and forgiveness with this other, other tribal leader that had killed his daughter and taken him. Um, and the other guy, the reason it even happened was the little girl had a Bible. And the other guy found it and had somebody read it to him. And the Lord touched his heart and brought those two tribes together through her death. Um, but it was through the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of the foundation of Christianity in, uh, in New Zealand. Um, it's very much... It's a rich heritage. Right now we're in a post-Christian, um, almost European kind of flavor, unfortunately. But the people are ripe for the Holy Spirit. They are ripe for revival. They are ripe to be restored and renewed and reconnected with their creator, their maker, to ha have their brokenness healed, to have the change removed. The Lord is moving, and we've been able to be privileged to be a part of that. Um, my topic of what I wanted to share about was really talking about obedience and faith. What does that mean? And I, and, and I actually remember a couple of years ago when we visited, I talked a little similar thing about obedience. Um, but we have learned so much more. We have grown so much more through this journey of where we are now from where we were then. Um, I'd like to start just talking some scripture, and then we'll base off of that after that. Um, in the background, what is happening, this is about Paul, um, and he got a vision from the Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia to preach, and he believed that there was going to be conversions there. So he and Silas actually got up, and they went and headed to Macedonia. They landed in Philippi, uh, Philippi, um, and that, that's part of Macedonia, and that's where they started. Um, so in faith, in obedience, Paul stepped out. And traveled to, it was quite a distance, traveled quite a distance to a new land because he wanted to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit was prompting. Um, while they were there, and they were meeting with people and Lydia and some of the other stuff that happened, uh, there's this young girl who has a spirit that starts following around declaring who they are and who they serve. And uh, she actually got kind of annoying. And so Paul just actually kicked the demon out. And she was a fortune teller, and she, she told people's futures and stuff. 
So suddenly she's clean and didn't have the spirits anymore, and her owners are like, whoa, that's all our money you just took from us. So they actually went to the magistrates and said, these, these guys are not acting like Romans. They're, they're causing all sorts of problems. Um, and they're doing, participating in practices not common to Roman customs. So we're going to pick up in Acts 22 and read through 34. The crowd joined in attacking them. Oh, we'll pause for a sec. Yahoo! Um, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So again, Paul just showed up, and he's expecting like to have conversions. He's just obeying the Holy Spirit. And now he's being beaten, having his, to- his clothes torn off, and, and they're just, they're, it's beating the crap out of him. Uh, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So this just keeps getting darker. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want you to remember that part. In the darkest part of the night, in the darkest part of what they were going through, they chose to worship. They chose to lift up the name of Jesus and to praise his name despite their circumstances and what was going on. The prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out, saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The Holy Spirit's doing what he had prompted. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke, the words of the Lord to him and all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. If you you have accepted the Lord into your heart, get baptized. There's no reason to wait. It's a priority. It's a declaration, and it's sealing what God has started in in that process. He and all of his family... Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that had believed in God. So, we're going to come back to that and tie into what's been going on with the abbots. So anybody that knows us and knows our past knows that Gretchen and my, our lives have been a life of obedience in faith. Um, We got married out of obedience and in faith. Um, We weren't in love. God called us together. We both believed that God had put us together. We were prearranged marriage, Um, and that was 23 years ago, Um, and five kids and and a grandkid and an awesome daughter-in-law. We we weren't excited about being married at first. We weren't attracted to each other, but we believed that our God had spoken to us, and we had faith to believe that he knew what he was doing, and he did. And that was, we took that step and got married. Um, when I was 25, I'd never played an instrument in my life, and God said, pick up the guitar, you're going to need it in the mission field. So at 25, I started playing guitar and joined the worship team here. And I ended up spending years on the worship team here, learning how to play guitar, to lead worship, to, to play bass. And when we went to New Zealand, that was one of the first things that we did was lead worship in the church. And we did that the whole time that we were there. And my whole family are worshipers because I obeyed that one moment when he said, pick up a guitar. And the Lord has used people and ministered through us. And we have been a part of numerous worship sets and home evenings and we have worship in our home because we obeyed when he said, pick up a guitar. <coughs> Pastor Dick asked me to help out Matt and, and uh, Noel um, with the youth and kind of be a mentor. And Matt ended up getting married and had to step out, and, and Noel exited. And all of a sudden, um, Gretchen and I are sitting there, and we're the youth pastors. 
We didn't expect it. We didn't know what the future held. We didn't know what was going to happen. But God said, you are the persons that we ch he chose for this time. So we were obedient, and we stepped into that. And we're now Papa and Mama G. And we have young people all over this country now that have been touched and impacted because we were obedient. It changed our lives. Through youth group, we, we ended up going to Londonderry for prayer meetings and meeting with the Holy Spirit and in worship and then brought that back and continued. And that became a vital part to our ministry and who we are is spending time in God's presence because when you do, he rubs off on you. We foster continually a life of worship. And that's where we meet him and our lives are changed and those around us. And when I was 21, I had a prophecy that I was going to be on the mission field. At 39, God said, I'm sending you and your family to New Zealand. Didn't expect it. Didn't at that point even think it was going to happen. We had a great youth ministry here, had a great job, um, thriving in the community. And I was Papa and Mama G over here, and our family was growing, and God said, it's time. So we were obedient. And obedience is a step-by-step -step thing. So the first thing was recognizing that God had called us to New Zealand. Then it was taking the next steps to learn about the country, then to connect with the people we were going to be working with, then to what did it look like to become residents over there and going through that process, and along the way, dying to self, dying to hopes, dying to the dreams that you had. I had expectations and dreams about my job and where I was going and what that would look like, and I had to lay it down. Because God said, you trust me to move your family across the world, but you won't trust me with your finances? I was like, I'm like oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good call. Um, so it was in faith that we stepped out. Um, and we moved to a new country where we became an other, where we became an outsider, where we had no national recognition. We were from U.S., and that, there's no documentation that recognizes U.S., your others. You are an immigrant. You are an outsider. So we're in a new country as outsiders, starting all over again. We had no titles. We had no recognition. I was no longer Papa. I was no longer Sensei. I was, I was just this guy from America with his family that just showed up in their country. And so coming into a new country and starting over and laying roots, the Lord used the, the plant of Journey Vineyard as our grid to move us over there. Because if he had just said, go to New Zealand without giving us a way or a, a method of, of applying and connecting there, we wouldn't have gone. It was too big. At least planting the church gave us a grid that we had some understanding of, we could help out, we could serve, and we could put our heads around that and, okay, we'll move. Still the hardest thing we've ever done. But we stepped out in faith and we stepped into what he had put in front of us. What we've discovered while we were there is that was the grid he used to get us there, but that's not the purpose of why he has us there. Through the last four and a half years, I've had three of the most trying, darkest jobs I've ever had in my life with some of the worst bosses I have ever had, where getting up every day was all I could do just to get to work and make it through my day because of the darkness and the depression and the oppression on me and my team and the work environment. It was exhausting, dark, draining days. But what I learned through that was to continue to worship, to continue to praise, to maintain my character and my integrity, to pray for my boss and the company, even though I, I could hardly even talk to him. And I, I get along with most people really, really well. And that's, that's something I've always done. But it was all I could do just to look him in the face and, and be polite and, and make it through the day. Um, and through those transitions and those jobs, God honored that character. God honored my prayer. God honored my worship. And I was shoulder tapped for an opportunity to work at a new company where I'm at now with a boss that cares about us, with a boss that cares about my family. My boss paid for my wife and I to come here as a thank you. That was... That's God moving in favor 
it, and, and he has continued to move in favor in my job and, and makes me look really good and I'm like barely competent at what I'm doing. But, but he makes me look really good and I have to give him the glory and I tell my boss, look, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I, I, you know, God's got my back and now he's got yours because you hired me. And all those companies that I worked for were blessed and increased in profit, increased in customers because they had hired me. And it's through those jobs of honoring him that blessed other people and other families. So no matter what your job is like, no matter what you're going through, your struggles are, how dark it seems at the moment, do not sacrifice your character or your integrity and do not stop worshiping because that, those people need Jesus and they need your presence in that place and they need God's favor. Don't rob them of what God is offering. And the church, we love the pastors there. We care about them. And we know God loves them, and we know that they love God. But honestly, they weren't equipped, and they weren't prepared for all that it takes to lead a church and to, and to lead leaders. Um, and through... Through many different stuff, um, through many struggles and hurts, um, over the last four and a half years, we were pretty broken by the time God released us. But in the midst of what we were going through, in the midst of the hurt, and um, basically we were shut down um, over a number of years. We were basically stripped of all who makes us us. Um, no more welcoming people into our home, no more... Uh, reaching out the way that we did, no more freedom in worship. There was just, everything was slowly just stripped back to all we were doing was showing up at service each, each Sunday and just, just doing our thing. But we weren't thriving. We weren't living. And we knew, we knew God had something else. But when you as a man have moved your family across the entire world and given up everything to help plant this church and suddenly you have to say, wow, we failed or struggle with that, because the truth is we didn't fail. We did everything that we possibly could. We maintained our character. We maintained our integrity. We continued to pray. We continued to worship and lead worship in an environment that was not healthy for us, but we will not stop praising our Lord. We will not stop being in his presence, and there is nothing that will stop us from bringing that wherever we go. Because that is our choice. We will obey in the darkest time and we will choose to worship. We will praise the name of Jesus. And he has brought us through that. And he has separated it cleanly. And we are in a new place. So what's happening right now is we, we plugged in at another church right now because we needed healing. We needed to get healthy. We needed to recover from all, all the burnout and what we'd done. Because... In four and a half years, I think we missed five Sundays. And in the first three years, we set up and tore down every Sunday. It was a six-hour event because you had to pull out everything, set it up, do the coffee, do the practice, do the message, tear everything down, put it away. And you were there usually at least six hours every Sunday just to make that happen. And our family poured in, and we were solid and committed, and we honored the Lord in what he gave us. And out of that, he's put us in a healthy church right now where we are coming alive again, where we are allowed to be who we are. Um, but what's really cool and weird and scary and blows my mind, I feel like I'm a youth pastor again. <sighs> um, since we left, we have about 35 people that have come up to us and said, if you start a church, we want to be there. So that's... We started out with four or five that left with us, and then other people that had visited the church and met us and had left because they saw it wasn't safe. We were, we were too loyal to see for a while. Um, people that have left have come back, and now monthly we have been meeting with them. We've been, we, we have big feeds with them, um, Kai, and we call them Fauna, which is our family. And we're a band of refugees that gets together once a month, and we have food, and, and we share in prayer and in worship. We always do worship. You have to do worship. I want God's presence to rub off on all that I'm around. 
I need them in God's presence, so we have to have worship. And out of that has been prophetic um, ministry and healing and lives changing. And, and then we continue to meet um, during the weeks. We'll get together and have dinners together with different families and have them over, and they have us over. And the Lord is building a new community. And quite a few of those people in that are Maori families. They're ones that would not go to a normal church, that would not feel connected with the white way of doing things. And, and so we're trying to discover what does that look like in this culture to, to be in a, in a Maori culture and, and make it a place that's safe and engaging for them. And that's what we're walking through right now. Um, food is a huge thing. They love to eat and share food together. We, we cook together. We clean up. Huh? Uh, we do some. Uh, they love Thanksgiving. Uh, every, everybody wants to have Thanksgiving with us um, because they've heard about, and pumpkin pie blows their mind because pumpkin over there is just a savory. It's not a, not a sweet, so that just... So there's stuff that we're connecting, and, and they, they're always blessed. And, and our lives are changed because of being a part of their lives. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I have what's called a punamu um, on, which is a New Zealand um, greenstone. This is jade. And this is a very much uh, a Maori uh, heritage thing. Um, you're not allowed to buy one for yourself. It's tapu. Um, it, it's just bad luck. You don't do it. You don't buy your own, even if you want one. You have to wait till it's gifted to you. And so for my birthday, I was gifted with this, this shirt from my Maori friend. Um, and with, with my family, gifted me with the Punamu. Um, and I had a friend, my Maori friend, who's a Christian, prayed a blessing over this um, before giving it to me. And so that kind of connection with the culture, to be honored to be able to connect with that culture in this way and that heritage and to carry this. And once you've been gifted with a Punamu, it stays with you until you die. It's, it, is, it is now part of your life. It is something that you represent your culture and your heritage and your history. We have been welcomed in as outsiders into the Maori, and that is changing our lives. Um, we need your prayers. Um, New Zealand has one of the highest suicide rates of anywhere in the world, especially among teens. Um, in Maori, there is suicide, there's hopelessness, there's broken families, um, alcohol, drug addiction, um, a lot of people on welfare. Um, it is a struggling community because when England came in, it got messy, and all, for years they weren't even allowed to speak their own language. Uh, in schools, they were forbidden to speak Maori at all. Um, they would get expelled. They would get punished. And they almost lost their heritage. They almost lost their language. And they're now reclaiming it to the point where it is now a normal part of training in school, like what Trinity is going to. So they're, they're being reconciled. They're, be, they're being brought back. But it's a long road. There's so much hurt and brokenness and anger against Pakeha, against England, against anybody that's taking their land. And there's a depth of brokenness and racism that runs so deep in anger and bitterness, they need Jesus. And we need to learn how to continue to communicate and break through those lines where, where God would use us to be able to make those connections and bring that healing and that freedom that they're looking for. Um, I have a quick video. Um, so, again, suicide is... Um, a, a huge issue, and the video we're about to show you, um, in New Zealand they do a dance called a haka. Um, you may have seen it before in All Blacks Rugby, or you may have just seen stuff on the internet about a haka, but a haka is an expression of all of who you are, and it, it used to be done before battles, but it's done before weddings. It's to declare um, promises to each other, um, declaration of support. It is... And it's something that they pour everything that they are in, that's in them, into their story, into the storytelling, into the song. They are unashamed to declare whatever they're declaring. So this one in particular, this is, there's some brothers whose, whose brother just committed suicide. And these brothers are leading a haka as his hearse drives away. 
it's, it's pretty emotional. Um, I have trouble watching it still. I've seen it quite a few times. But this is an example of a haka. And as you watch it, I want you to ask the Lord, how do I worship? Am I willing to put everything into my worship? Or am I in my little square and I feel comfortable raising my hand now and then, but that's a bit, that's all I'm going to do. There is something about fully embracing Jesus, fully embracing worship and expressing your love for him with all of your being, which is what David cries about. So this is not worship. This is a story, but it's an example of giving everything for someone that they love and being unashamed of what they're doing in front of other people. We know God has brought us over for a purpose. When you obey and you step out in faith, you don't know what the future is going to look like. You don't know what's going to happen. You have ideas. You have concepts. You have theories. I would recommend to learn to obey with an open heart and an open mind and just trust Papa. Papa knows what's going on. Papa has a plan. He knows where he's going to send you and why he's sending you there. You take your steps in faith, trusting that Papa knows what he's doing, and then you get to the joy of experiencing your life changed and those other lives changed because you were willing to obey. I don't know what God has for each of you. I don't know what he's calling you to. I don't know what he's put in your heart. I don't know what dreams or crazy ideas or inspirations that he's thrown out to you and you just like, oh, that's too big. Like Matt saying he couldn't move to another country. <laughs> Obedience is stepping out and taking the opportunity as he opens the door. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's terrifying, sometimes it's life-changing. Other times it's just small steps. But God is looking for a heart that is obedient and who is turned to him in worship. And when he finds a heart that is turned to him in worship, he will show up in power and in strength in that person's life. I can tell you, I stand in power and strength in Christ because of who he is and because of obedience and because of worship. God continues to show up for my family. It is, has to be Jesus that I managed to move five kids across the world, and we still talk. <laughs> We're still friends. Our dinners now are so much fun. We have a no-technology dinner, and, and if you bring your phone out, I throw it. And I warn guests, but some guests have lost their phones. Um, but it's time to sit down, to share, and to talk, and to spend time together. And we try to, every night, have family dinner as best as we can. And seeing them grow and watching how the girls have changed because of being in New Zealand, their new friends. I, I don't know if Zoe and Trinity will ever leave New Zealand. Um, that's home now. That's their culture now. Um, that's their family. Dominic and J.E. Mike. Casey's already over here with Meredith and our grandson Declan that we got to meet. It's been awesome. Our family is international. Never thought that that's what my family would be or what it would look like, but God knew. And he's given us the strength and the courage to work that out and make it work. And he gives us blessings like being able to come back here and spend time with our whanau, my whanau, and being able to connect So what's next? I have no flipping idea. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have no idea. All I know is we have this community of people that God has entrusted into our lives that have given us, that have declared me as the chief, which is mind-blowing. Um, so when we started the journey, one of uh, Russell, my friend, said, it, it, in Maori iwi, in, in, in your tribe, um, as you walk out, you, you are all in together you, in unity. You all work together. When you're in a waka, when you're in the boat, you're all rowing together in unity, but there has to be someone who's looking ahead. Because when you're in a waka, you're actually rowing backwards. 
and and there's somebody that needs to be able to see where you're going, what's going on, and to lead the way. And so Russell and the others nominated me and said, we see you as chief. I don't know what that looks like. I'm broken by it. I'm honored by it. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. But for now, there is a group of people God has entrusted us that we're going to speak life into, that we're going to bring into the presence of God through worship, that we're going to be faithful to minister to, and to see what God has for them. If this turns into a church plant in the next six months or a year, whatever it looks like, we're just going to walk out what God has put in front of us. Gretchen and I are going through training. We're going to walk through training of church planning because I've never done church planning before. I've never gone through training. What does that even look like? And we're going to walk through it. And we're meeting with Pastor Dick um, and doing training remotely, and I've got other people that are starting to feed into our lives and into what's going on on a regular basis um, over the Internet. And God's given us a safe place to call home for a church while this is happening. Um, so I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know how long we're there. I don't. I had an idea of seven years, but that was when we were helping out the other church. Now everything's changed. I don't know what the future holds. Um, but as I've said before, it's not my life anymore. When I accepted Jesus Christ's blood for my salvation and he washed away all my sins, when he restored me into community with the Father and the Holy Spirit in him, when he saved me from darkness, brought me out and gave me new life and gave me hope, when he restored unto me everything that the enemy has been taken all my life, it's not my life. My life is to be poured out for him. And so this is how he's choosing to pour out the abbots. He's pouring us out in New Zealand right now. So that's where we are. And we'll continue to be poured out until he sends us somewhere else. We don't know, but that's where we are. We desperately need your prayers and your thoughts um, for our family, for protection, for guidance, for wisdom, and to see what, what God is going to do over there. So I don't know if that was real deep or impacting. Um, I hope you heard something that connected you with Jesus. And I hope you took away getting God's presence every day. Get in God's presence. And in community, that's where we are the church. That's where we're the temple of God. When we're all together in community, like I, can, I sometimes get in God's presence when I'm on my own. And, and I still choose to worship whether he manifests or not. But he is much more likely to manifest in this community on a Sunday morning so be here on time. Be here to step into worship. Be ready to worship. Be worshiping on the way here. There should be a buzz because people are excited because Jesus is going to show up, because the Holy Spirit's going to manifest. So walk into the service as a community, supporting each other to see the Holy Spirit activ activate and manifest in this place. We love you guys. We miss you terribly. Um, thank you, Billy. It has been a mixture of joy and broken heart, uh, of, of hurt and hope. It, it has been a journey that's changed us forever. Um, we'll never be the same. And we, now we have homes in a couple places. And that's just the way it is now. So we love you guys. Thank you for your time.